Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence. Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to Moderate Turbulence. I'm Jeremy. I'm Adele. Hi, Adele. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Roxy. Hi. She hasn't had her walk yet today, so she's a little more rambunctious than usual. How are you, Adele? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, it's a, it's still obviously summer, so it was nearing the high 20s, so we figured we'd just wait until maybe like after six or seven to walk her, just because why walk her when it's 28, when you can wait? Obviously, we can walk her in the morning, but our routine is usually we walk her in the evening, yeah. afternoon or evening. Yeah. So, so we'll wait till it cools down a little bit before she gets her walk. Um, yeah, I guess. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You might be wondering, why is Jeremy wearing a cowboy hat? Uh, well, today's one of the final days of the Calgary Stampede. For those that don't know, Calgary Stampede runs for 10 days in July. And the best way to describe it is our entire city of Calgary transforms for those 10 days. Everybody is a cowboy. Everybody wears their uh, cowboy hats and boots. We actually went out to the Stampede yesterday so that we could try some of the delicious Stampede foods. Lots of deep fried stuff. And you had this weird pickle, spicy pickle juice. Oh, yeah. I had a <laughs> spicy dill pickle lemonade. Uh, exactly how it sounds. Um, Jeremy tasted it, but, you know, not it for him. It wasn't for me. The spiciness was good. It was really spicy. But the pickle flavor, was it was too intense for me. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's not something I would definitely like make or order for myself regularly, but it's Stampede. It's known for weird food concoctions, drink concoctions. There's a lot of weird stuff. There was even ketchup or mustard uh, soft serve ice cream. Uh, I didn't try. We didn't try that one no. just because we tried a lot of other weird stuff. So yeah. our stomachs were a bit... Um, not going to be happy with us if we kept going. <laughs> it was a lot of fried food yesterday. Yeah. You had a vegetarian corn dog. I had uh, I had some mac and cheese, spicy mac and cheese. I'm lactose intolerant, so not the greatest idea, but <laughs> still went for it. And then, uh, yeah, we had some deep fried desserts. We, oh, we had uh, deep fried cheese curds as well. Those were amazing. Yeah. Um, highly recommend those if you're ever at a, I don't know, an outdoor festival or whatever. Because obviously these are not just like for Calgary Stampede. These are... Things that midway, can be yeah. just like recreated other places. But the yeah, the deep fried cheese curds were like kind of uh, whim or spontaneous decisions. They were there and we we're kind of looking for one more savory thing uh, to try out. And we couldn't find that one corn stand that we wanted to try. So. Yeah, it had like Mexican street corn, but we couldn't find uh, we couldn't find the actual proper proper stand for that one and we yeah. looked around like twice for it but it may have been one of the ones that was closed yeah it was, it was supposed to be like a a good like vegetarian dish i looked really good online there was a lot of other corn things but like that was the one i wanted to try a lot of pierogi things we didn't try but yeah the cheese curds because it came with an option of marinara sauce or ranch and the marinara sauce was just it was a hit. Perfect it, cheese it curds fit perfectly, were. Because yeah. imagine a mozzarella stick, but the cheese quality was a bit more elevated and mm -hmm. smaller bites, of course, because it's a cheese curd. It's not a long piece of yeah. Mozzarella. They're not uniform pieces like a mozzarella stick would be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super good. The mozzarella, uh, the mozzarella, the marinara sauce is very good. I. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think we could, we could be criticizing the marinara sauce, but it was perfect with that. And now I'm hungry, and I want more of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had dinner yet, so yeah. 
that's coming it's later. not it's not super late it's only like 5 30 <laughs> so it's not like we're recording at 7 p.m yeah so don't y'all worry about us um but yeah what else that was it right yeah for the food i mean there's all food, yeah. a bunch of other things of course uh we had the colossal onion the other night when we went yeah well there was four of us uh, classic yeah four of us that were kind of sharing that one and still by the end of it my stomach was like why so much deep fried goodness Stomach didn't love it, but I sure did. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know what that is, it's essentially, it's one whole onion that's chopped up. Like, it stays in its, like, fl- like whole shape, but it's, like, chopped up perfectly, so it kind of looks like a flower. And then it's battered, of course, and deep fried. And then they give it to you. They punch a hole in the middle to, so you can easily um, remove certain, like, wedges of it. And then you get... It's a t- chipotle sauce, I think. Yeah, like a ch- chipotle style uh, dipping sauce. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. and it's obviously fried onions, but it's just like a huge thing of it. You need to share it, and it's kind of the better bang for your buck meals. I think that you get at Stampede because yeah. w- how much was it? Like sixteen dollars? Yeah, in the fifteen dollar range, fifteen sixteen dollars. Yeah, which yeah, it's still expensive, but you get such a big portion of it that it's one of the better things because like the cheese curds delicious twelve dollars yeah so it's a lot of money for what we got and like obviously you re- you go into stampede you realize you're going to spend lots of money um and but you go in you you dress up you have fun um you know what to expect yeah, yeah there's like a lot of different aspects of stampede as well there's of course lots of the weird a lot of the weird foods. Um, I'm not just weird food. Just like lots of food to try out. Mm-hmm. Um, There's sweet, all the games. savory, yeah. like all the types. Lots of ga- arcade games, like yeah. any like carnival or like fair. Exactly. Uh, there's some rides, but Jeremy didn't trust any of them. So we didn't go on any. Plus they were really expensive as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like Ferris wheels and like what I remember. the it used to be called the Gravitron when I was... Uh, when I was young, so they have that, and yeah, a couple couple of those fun rides, and then of course the main whole attraction of the Stampede is there's a whole rodeo going along with that. We weren't really interested in the whole rodeo aspect, chuck wagon races, uh, a lot of the Western riding type rodeo events, uh, bull riding, things like that, still going on today. And um, yeah, we weren't really in it. For I mean, that. I would see the. Um barrel racing that would be interesting to me just because that is based on talent of the rider and the horse and usually it's safer for the animals but like yeah the like calf rearing or whatever it's called uh truck wagon races a lot of just in my opinion and what i've researched uh cruelty happens with those events just because it's just highly like the animals are like trained for all of that, but unfortunately with like the big like production events of everything, like a lot of animals get put down every year at the stampede because of that. Yeah, sadly. So so that's the part that we don't partake in. Uh, and then the other part is the f- music. So there's huge, uh, huge names that come in and there's different <laughs> locations. So quick rundown and then we're gonna go over (laughs) stampede just a couple we won't touch everything but just a couple things we'll touch on yeah so stampede there's a stampede grounds where you pay i think the general admission is about 23 Mm dollars 
as where you get all the rides, the rodeo access, the food, the food, all of that. And then there's a couple places inside the grounds that you can see music. So there's the Coca-Cola stage, there's Nashville North, which they serve alcohol. So it's 18 plus. And then there's big four. I don't know if you, it's 18 plus. It is. Yeah. 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 18 plus there as well. So different venues within the grounds that you can see uh, musical guests. And then there's the Badlands Music Festival, the which was more EDM, you said? EDM music? Sure. <laughs> I thought we had this discussion. No. It wasn't okay. me. <laughs> Anyways. So Badlands Music Festival, there's Cowboys Music Festival, and then there's also the Wild Horse Saloon. There's other tents as well, but those are the main ones outside of the grounds, still close to where everything is. It's all, yeah, they're all like in close proximity for yeah. sure. Cowboys, I think, has the biggest names. Like they had Nelly Furtado, Shaggy, TLC. Um, we we actually, we Dustin went to Big, Lynch. We went to Big Four for the our first night of Stampede, and we got to see Shaquille O'Neal djing we which can is actually interesting. put a picture yeah. here because yeah. <laughs> we took some pictures yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the actual shaquille lanier which i didn't even know dj'd at all that was a little yeah. bit weird well, i mentioned it to adele and adele's like well not the shaquille o'neal i was like no no it's it's shaq it's shaq diesel he's gonna be there djing and it sure as heck was <laughs> yeah we didn't see him for very long just because obviously he came on super late yeah. and then by that time we're like a little bit over it mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's very quick rundown of stampede it's just a lot of fun calgary what is it triples in its population during stampede something Something like that like that yeah and then i saw an article i think pop up on my instagram or facebook that this year so far stampede the calgary stampede itself has had over a million uh guests so over a million people access the grounds of stampede this year Yep. And that's doesn't even count like everything else around, just people coming in for the city. Cause like you could go to Calgary during Stampede, not go to the actual ground and still have like a full like Stampede experience. You yep. can dress up because it's not weird to wear a cowboy hat in Calgary during Stampede. Nope. It's not you, weird you're to almost wear your cowboy of, boots. You're almost out of place if you don't have a cowboy hat like yeah. downtown during the Stampede. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's an amazing experience. Uh if you haven't been Come on to Calgary for next year's Stampede. Again, it runs 10 days uh, in July. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to move on from Stampede now because that's nothing to do with aviation. Um, But that's just pretty much, yeah, why Jeremy's wearing the hat. and Keeping the spirit. Yeah. Pretty much what we've been up to. We didn't go to. We've gone twice. To Stampede, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we still had some fun. And Jeremy has something prepared for us for the rest of the episode today. Yeah, so a little bit of a throwback. We haven't done this in a long time now, so we're going to be covering an aircraft incident. Yay! No, no cheers. All right. Uh, So for this one, the references I used were uh, Wikipedia and, of course, our favorite YouTuber when it comes to aviation incidents, Alec Joshua Ibe. Uh, and also I remember watching, um, an episode of Mayday on this long, long time ago. I didn't rewatch it, uh, for my script here, but, uh, also it was an amazing episode. So today we're going to be sharing the story of Air Transat Flight 236. Do you know this one? We've talked about it a little bit, but do you remember? Well, just off the name, I don't recall the details, but, uh. Okay. Well, this one occurred (laughs) on August 24th, 2001. Uh, So this occurred less than a year after I began my aviation career. So the Air Transat Airbus 330 took off just before 9 p.m. 
and it was going from Toronto to Lisbon, Portugal. In the flight deck, we have Captain uh, Robert Pichet. He's 48. And First Officer Dirk de Jagger. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he's 28 years old. The aircraft carried 11 flight attendants and 293 passengers. So everything took off. Everything was going normal. And of course, this is going over the Atlantic Ocean towards Portugal. Now, nearly five hours into the flight, while they're cruising at 39,000 feet, the pilots receive a warning that there's a fuel imbalance. That means there's more fuel in one of the two fuel tanks than there should be. Something's imbalanced, so they have to check it out. Uh, so following their proper procedures, the pilots initiate a cross bleed, transferring fuel from the left tank to the right tank, as the right tank was the one showing it was uh, the numbers were a little bit lower. So as First Officer de Jagger ran the numbers, he determined that the fuel consumption was exceeding their normal levels. They contacted the flight attendants and asked if they could uh, go and look out the windows and see if there's any fuel leaking from the wings. It's the middle of the night at this point, uh, and the flight attendants couldn't see anything, so they couldn't determine if there was any fuel leaking. So at this point, while calculating how much fuel was remaining, it was decided that they would not be able to reach Lisbon. So they chose to divert to the Azores. So the Azores are a collection of islands that are part of Portugal, but they're located roughly three quarters of the way across the Atlantic Ocean uh, between North America and Europe. So they're getting closer to Europe on, at this point. So they were uh, now chose Lages Airport, uh, which is an airbase actually, and it was chosen as the nearest suitable airport in the Azores. Uh, they easily can make it there with the remaining fuel that they have, and they should have some fuel to spare. Now, 28 minutes after this decision is made, Engine number two, so the engine on the right, flames out. So what that means is there's no longer fuel supplying the engine, so it cuts off. When it cuts off, it's no longer providing any thrust to the aircraft, and of course it's not providing any power either. So Captain Pichet uh, began a descent at this point to 33,000 feet. Again, that's as per the procedures when you're flying with only one engine. At this point, we're approximately 280 kilometers from Lages Air Base, again in the Azores there. Ten minutes later, a mayday call was sent to air traffic control, specifically Santa Maria Oceanic ATC. Now, just three minutes later, engine one flames out. So now there's no fuel left on board, so both of the engines stop. So there's no thrust being provided. The plane has no power and it must glide the remaining 120 kilometers. Okay. A little scary. <laughs> so for the passengers on board, number one, everything goes quiet. Number two, everything goes dark. Number three, they start looking out the window, and they can see that we're starting a turn towards the, uh, towards the right, and they're like, where, where are we going? Why is the sun not where it's supposed to be based on what what's happening right now? So... At this point here, what happens if your aircraft loses uh, thrust in both engines, you get what's called the RAT, the Ram Air Turbine. It automatically deploys from underneath the aircraft. What that is, it's a small little propeller that, with the airflow, spins the propeller, and that propeller is going to provide some electrical systems to the aircraft. Uh, so now we have certain critical controls, such as some sensors, flight instruments, and some hydraulic power. A few minutes after this, the oxygen masks deploy in the passenger cabin. Remember, we were at 33,000 feet. With the engines no longer running, the engines are no longer providing air for the passengers to breathe, so the oxygen masks deploy. 
Now, with the help of military air traffic controllers, the plane is guided to land at Lajus Air Base. With their current rate of descent, the pilots calculate that they can glide for 15 to 20 minutes before they would be forced to ditch the aircraft in the Atlantic. They were able to spot the airport, but determined that they were too high and they were flying too fast to land safely. So Captain Pichet executed a 360-degree turn. So he went in a full circle there, and then he uh, basically lined up to make his approach from the south. Now, to safely descend and lose some of that excess altitude, he needed to cre- uh, conduct a series of S-turns. So that's basically where the aircraft is going one way, then the other way, and constantly losing altitude uh, at a safe rate so that they could line up properly with the runway. If they just said, oh, there's the runway, let's aim for it, they would overshoot it. And at this point, we have no thrust in the engines. We can't go back up and try again. There's no go around. There's no second chances. You have one shot to get this landing right. <laughs> the aircraft touched down hard 19 minutes after the second engine had flamed out. The aircraft bounced 500 meters and touched down a second time. Eight tires were blown out right away, and then the aircraft finally came to a rest 2,300 meters down the runway. The runway was only 3,000 meters long, so they only had 700 meters to spare. And I don't know, I'm remembering this from past articles, I didn't find it in my research here, but if I recall, at the end of the runway was a cliff, so you don't want (laughs) to... You don't want to overshoot that runway because a big Airbus 330, which is a big dual aisle aircraft. I mean, we've both worked them. Uh, It's a lot of it's a lot of plane, let's say. Uh, After a subsequent evacuation, all aircraft occupants survived. There were only 18 injuries, two of which were major. So what led to the aircraft running out of fuel over the Atlantic. So an investigation was conducted by Portuguese, Canadian, and French authorities, and the issue was determined to be a fuel leak in the number two engine. This particular engine was a replacement that was sent by Rolls-Royce, and it was installed five days earlier. But the engine was an older model, and it did not include a hydraulic pump. Air Transat authorized the use of a part from a similar engine, but again, a different model, and the lead mechanic was kind of like, I'm not sure about this. And Air Transat said, no, no, it's okay. The difference in the parts that they used was just a matter of millimeters, but that caused chafing between lines and thus ruptured the fuel line. Air Transat did accept responsibility for the incident. They were fined by the Canadian government for a substantial $250,000, the largest fine in Canadian history. So that's the story of Air Transat Flight 236, how they glided to the Azores and had a safe landing. Not an easy landing. It was quite rough, but all uh, 300 and some passengers and crew survived that incident. Wow. And uh, so I remember this because I had just started flying and I just started my aviation geeks starting that whole uh, that whole journey so i was really really into this incident when it happened i remember the interviews with the pilots uh live on tv shortly after and uh interesting one so basically they're losing fuel they initiate their procedures to put fuel from the other tank into the one that was bleeding the fuel out and then they lost more fuel and uh, eventually lost both engines and had to glide to the azores what do you think of that one I mean, that's amazing that the pilots did their job amazingly well and then were able to land safely and that the evacuation went well. I mean, yes, serious injuries. I don't know what that means, but they survived. So that's pretty much all you can really hope for when the plane essentially has a crash landing Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, lands, bounces. 
and it bounced f- over 500 meters, so half a kilometer. Yeah, bounced in the air with a bunch of the tires that had uh, that so had clearly blown on that like first going one. way too fast, and it was pretty yeah. much like let's hope this works. But yeah. I mean, you don't know for sure because, yeah. like a lot of emergency landing scenarios that have happened. You can't really practice for that. You can practice for a worst case scenario, but you don't practice for everything else that can go wrong in that specific scenario. Like there's too many what ifs in a disaster situation. So it's like. And simulators can only take you so far when you're actually handling the aircraft and doing it. It's a whole different ballgame. And like. Like I said, you only had one shot at this. So just imagine the pressure on uh, on those pilots to get that aircraft down safely. Yeah. It's wild, eh? I mean, that's why the pilots, like, they go through so much training. There's so many regulations. And let's be honest, they make more money than us because there's so much that goes into what they do. Not saying that we are insignificant as flight attendants, but the pilots do have a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if everything goes right, they're essentially sitting up in the flight deck. If everything goes right for us, we're serving food in the air. But the second something goes wrong, everything needs to go right. (laughs) So something like this incident can occur and not a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So that we can still make the best of a bad situation and have the highest rate of survivability as possible. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I think back to uh, the miracle on the Hudson, you know, the landing on the Hudson there. Again, was it a an easy decision for Captain Sully to say, you know what, we're just going to put this plane down in the Hudson. No, definitely not an easy decision. But as the simulation showed, you know, in the movie, in the in the movie Sully there, it was the best decision to to go and land in the Hudson. And everybody survived once yeah. again. So but obviously, yeah. like pilots aren't told like, all right, if you're going to land in the water, you know, all these things, but best case is to get to an airport but if you can't you're not gonna just give not up. Yeah. yeah i'm not gonna fly the plane anymore i can't get to an airport like yeah. you know like we just saw we were watching youtube videos earlier today mm-hmm. of aviation fails or, mishaps yeah or whatever and this tiny plane had engine failures or something and had to land on a highway yeah so, you know, obviously, do they want to land on a highway? Definitely not. Yeah. But you have to figure out where to land. And that's like part of emergency training for pilots is really problem solving at like a moment's notice. They don't have 30 minutes to figure out. They don't even have one minute to figure it out. They just have to do something. Yeah. Uh, and a quick note about this incident as well. Uh, Captain Pichet did prepare for a ditching just in case because he you know, at one point when you're like, oh, we're gliding now, there's no thrust. We don't know if we're going to make it to the airport. So they did, uh, you know, have that sort of as a backup plan, like to prepare for a ditching. So so that means they probably told the, the flight attendants. Crew, yeah. yeah. And they probably were doing their their due diligence for that. So, I mean, maybe the passengers were evacuating with life vests on. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure. There was no footage of the actual evacuation, yeah. only the aftermath. In but 2001. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that aircraft actually stayed in service with Air Transat until 2021. Oh, wow. It's, it wasn't yeah. a total loss. Nope. Nope. They were able to repair it. It was just mainly the axles uh, and the tires uh, that needed a lot of repair. But uh, yeah, that aircraft went back into service. Oh, wow. For 20 more years. So that, that those pilots saved that plane mm-hmm. from being, you know, a total loss and a, hu- a whole aircraft 
is not a good thing to lose as an airline. <laughs> they ain't cheap, that's for sure. Yeah, aircraft, just, you know, yeah. go to the aircraft store and buy a new <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Can you order one on Amazon now? God, who knows? <laughs> Roxy didn't find that funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was a great incident. Well, thank you. Thank, Jeremy prepared a lot of research for this. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up because we have a um, lot more to talk about. I have some Reddit stories as well. And you're going to see us in the next episode wearing the same thing and the same um, how we look right now because we're being we're proactive yeah, and we're recording, recording back to back so you'll two have in a row. two weeks in a row you'll get uh, you'll get two episodes there yeah because we did miss uh, a couple here but we we were honest we, were, we told you all that we were gonna maybe be twice monthly for the summer but uh we're yeah. doing our best <laughs> yeah. uh excellent so oh, roxy. you were early roxy <laughs> so if you are out there and you are flying or if you're going to the calgary stampede or whatever you're doing <laughs> make sure that you're always nice to your flight attendants because they might have to save your butt one day. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at HuffyJ and at La Delvi. Thank you.